Te presentamos a Alex. Ella acaba de descubrir el centro de visión de Walmart. Ahora hago mis diligencias en un solo lugar. ¿Compras? ¿Lentes? Walmart. ¿Decoraciones? Walmart. Y lo mejor es que aceptan la mayoría de seguros, así que ahorro tiempo y dinero. Bienvenido a un cuidado de visión más fácil. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Se aplican restricciones. Visita walmart.com para más detalles. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader. And now, and now, prepare yourself for the only talk radio show you'll want to turn up. Crank this thing. Sirius XM Pandora presents the place where your hard rock and metal voice can still be heard. You got your ass, baby. Unfiltered, uncensored, say whatever you want. Hit the record button. Anything can happen, you know. I know that ain't nobody out there came to be mellow tonight, now did you? I say, I say there ain't nobody. I say there ain't nobody not out there that even wants to be a little bit mellow, now is there? Anybody wants to get mellow, you can turn around and get the fuck out of here, all right? This is the Trunk Nation. What's up, everybody? It's Eddie Trunk, and welcome to another episode of the Eddie Trunk Podcast. New every Thursday, wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening and subscribing. So you do not want to miss an episode. News making interviews with the biggest names in rock and metal each and every week. Great to bring them to you. And as I tell you guys each and every week, Everything you hear on my podcast originated on my Sirius XM radio show, Trunk Nation, heard live Monday through Friday, 3 to 5 p.m. Eastern Time, or anytime on the Sirius XM app, live or on demand. If you are in the U.S. or Canada, which means you can get Sirius XM, when you're only listening to this show, you're only getting a tiny taste of what I do on the radio live each and every day. So come on board and join me. Free trial subscription. Yeah, you can get one of those, SiriusXM.com slash Eddie Trunk. Go there, three months free. No credit card required. You can listen every day to Trunk Nation and hear the complete picture of everything going on. This week, we got two great interviews for you. I'll be joined by Peter Frampton here in a minute. It was great to have Frampton on the show talking about his recent nomination into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. If you listen to my daily show every day on the radio, you know I lost my mind when Peter Frampton was asked to be a guest for Sheryl Crow when she was inducted and Frampton himself is not yet inducted. I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but the Hall of Fame finally figured it out and said, hey, maybe we should look at putting that guy Frampton in too. So we know he's on the ballot. We'll find out soon if he gets in. We'll talk to the great Peter Frampton and get his thoughts on all of that coming up in interview number one for you this week. Interview number two, Mick Mars of Motley Crue. His album, The Other Side of Mars, is now finally out. It's been like 10 years in the making. We've had Mick on and World premiered that record a while ago. Now the full album is available. 
And uh, Mick will join me to talk about that as well in our second interview this week. So a great double dip of a couple great guitar players, Mick Mars and Motley Crue coming up in a bit, talking about his new album. We'll start with Peter Frampton. Here he is on the Eddie Trunk Podcast. Peter, thank you for a few minutes. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, thank you. Um, yeah, we just have a day off today from rehearsing. We're getting ready for this tour. So, yeah, so, yeah, um, catching up on some stuff around the house here, um, but back to rehearsing tomorrow, so. Well, we're going to talk about that tour in a second, but um, I got to get right to uh, the biggest thing, which is your nomination finally for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I, You know, it's always awkward when I talk to artists who have been nominated but not yet inducted because you can't fully say congratulations because you're not there yet, but hopefully right. that will change when it goes out to the voters. But, um, you know, Peter, I don't know if you this got on your radar at all, but I am, you know, I'm a voter for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but I'm also quite outspoken about it. And I, I had a meltdown at your exclusion from from the the uh, the Hall of Fame. So I am very thrilled that you're at least nominated. Tell me your thoughts about it. Well, yes, um, thank you, and thank you for uh, you backing me up there. That's I did see when you. Uh, when you were talking about that. So, um, yes. Uh, well, the thing is that, uh, I, I've never in my life expected anything on a platter. Um, you know, and that's why I think when things do happen that go right, something's good happens, then, then it's all the sweetest. So I, you know, I, I've, I see every year I have seen for many years, uh, people, you know, say what? What? No, Frampton. No, foreigner. No, that you know. And and so uh, when I saw this this time, it was just it was very um, very exciting um, uh, because I I never really sort of thought I did I not that I didn't deserve it, but that you know, well, it'll happen or what is to be will be sure to come true. You know, so it's um, it, but it's a very very nice. Uh, feeling and uh, you know um, I hope I make it to the final cut here you know people uh, when I've talked to artists about this over the decades Peter they, they all have a different approach about it some people some artists I've talked to are like yeah it won't define my career one way or the other kind of indifference some openly campaign for it I mean Somebody like John Bon Jovi comes to mind he aggressively wanted to be in it and then of course you have the other side where <laughs> you have artists, you know, want nothing to do with it. And they're like, you know, they, they discount it and write it off. So it sounds like you're somewhere in that, that middle zone, or was it something that you thought about when, cause you've been eligible over 20 years. Was it something that was on your mind or were you just kind of like, well, if it happens, it happens. If it happens, it happens. Um, you know, uh, I, I do know that there have been some, I'm not saying it's good now, because I'm, I've been nominated, but I do know there's been made. We all know there's been major changes made in the chairmanship and and vice chair and all that of the board uh, who vote. So there were some bizarre uh, uh, situations um, over the last twenty years <laughs> um, yes. and choices, uh, and I think uh, that gave, uh, especially when you have a, a public vote. 
which we do, um, which thank you very much for voting for me, everybody. But, uh, you know, uh, and, and sometimes those people that are at the top of the list uh, don't get in. In the, in the past, have not got in. So um, I understand why the public are still reticent to say, you know, to accept that it's going to be, you know, um, run well. But I have to say that I, I do believe that there is a change afoot. So I'm very happy, and I'm happy for those people uh, that were nominated this time. Some uh, have been nominated before, and some have never been nominated. So I, I, I wish them all the best, because I think everyone on the list deserves to be in. So. Yeah, there's some great rock artists finally on there, and I know the people who have part of the changes there quite well, so hopefully it is a harbinger of things to come. Peter, the thing that triggered me, though, that I just went crazy about was, I'll never forget, I was about to sign on the air for the daily show that I do, and they had announced the latest Hall of Fame induction, the one that just happened, announced that you would be coming out to support and play with Cheryl Crow, which of course you did and nothing right. at all against Cheryl. She's wonderful, but the, I'm a big believer in seniority. When, when the rock and roll hall of fame says influence is one of the number one things, it, it blows my mind out when somebody like you who clearly influenced her had at that point never been nominated, and here you are supporting her for her induction, and that's where I just lost my my mind about it. So um, a lot of other people said that as well. Did you think that maybe getting, I'm not saying this is why you did it, but being up on that stage, appearing in the ceremony that just happened, playing with Cheryl, I got to think, and I, I kind of know for a fact, because I know some of the people involved, that that happening you being right in front of them kind of triggered them to say, oh, yeah, we should actually think about that guy, too. Yes. Well, f first of all, um, uh, Cheryl obviously has been very vocal about the fact that I, sh I should be in. Um, this is before she was actually inducted. So and she's a dear friend. And um, I was her first concert. Um, when she was 14. So there's a, a big connection there musically and as a friend. Um, so I cannot thank her enough for inviting me. to do. I'm a huge fan anyway, but uh, I, I, I cannot thank her enough for inviting me to play with her because I think she was trying to, it was definitely a sign she was putting out there and saying, and at the same time, all the interviews she did around that was she said I sh Peter should be in too, you know. Mm -hmm. So um, I I I think that um, my feeling is that she did me a, a true true favor. Uh, wonderful that she invited me to be there to to put me um, on that stage with her and and Stevie Nicks and and as you say, I think it was a. Uh, a pointer to this guy should be in too. So I, I, I have nothing but, but great things to say about show. Yeah. And we've seen that happen before. I think Joan Jett did the Nirvana performance one year and she wasn't in. And then the next year she was on the ballot and then she finally got in. So sometimes, you know, those, those artists that you influence that maybe get in before you, 
like Cheryl, who spoke out about you and then they actually saw you up there doing it, it kind of like, Mm -hmm. you know, a light comes on, I guess, with the nominating committee and they say, oh, yeah, we should probably consider that person. So hopefully it happens. I I truly hope that, uh, you know, my fellow voters follow through and get you in there when the ballots hit. And one other thing on the Hall of Fame, Peter, that I'm curious about you know, mm-hmm. do you also think that if you do get nominated, perhaps this will maybe uh, I'm sure you will uh, shed a little love on on Humble Pie, because that's a band you could also oh. make a case that Steve Marriott should have been in there a long time ago. Well, he is in as part of the small faces, um, okay. but uh, obviously because the, the faces and the small faces uh, got in, which which means Steve is in uh, as a member of of Small Faces. But uh, you know, um, what a brilliant talent! Um, I mean, I miss him dearly. Um, so you know, um, yeah, humble pie, maybe. Yes, <laughs> maybe it's just you know, kind of like you being out there with Cheryl, you going in for your work as a solo artist might spur the thought process down the line. Hey, that guy was also yeah. in the band Humble Pie with Steve. You know, I'm just, you know, the kind right. of connecting the dots that hopefully it all, you know, that happens as well. Well, that's, that will be incredible. Yeah. I mean, but again, I don't expect anything. So uh, if something like that were to happen, it would be just, Cherry on the top for that one. <laughs> right, right. So you mentioned that you're rehearsing. You have a tour coming up. Never, ever yeah. say never that we're going to talk about. That is, I guess, somewhat <laughs> unexpected here. Um, before we get to the actual tour itself, most importantly, how is your health and how are you feeling? Um, I'm doing remarkably well. Um, my muscle disease, IBM, it is progressing, but um, it's I'm I'm one of the lucky ones in as much it's a very slow progression, and um, so I'm still able to play guitar. It is affecting my hands, but not much yet. So I'm able to um, I've adapted. I mean, look, I, I'm I'm 73, so you know things do slow down a little bit without even without a muscle disease. So, but. Um, you know, uh, right now I'm really enjoying playing and, um, you know, I think maybe there's slightly, I'm not quite as, um, uh, fast as I used to be, but, um, all I can say to that is, you know, less notes, more soul. That's the way we think of it. Well, I was going to ask you how it's impacted your playing because seeing you play on the rock and roll hall of fame with Cheryl, you you sounded brilliant. Um, people who saw you on your last run of tour dates called into my show on a regular basis and said how great your playing was. Did has this kind of caused you to to reinvent your style a little bit? Oh yes, I think it changes without a muscle disease. Obviously, it changes along the way. But I think this is uh, this has made me um, rethink what I can and cannot do. I mean, I, I go back to, um, I go back to the, one of the very first guitar players my father ever played me, which was, who was Django Reinhardt. And he had a fire in his, uh, in his caravan. He was a gypsy in uh, Belgium and France. And uh, 
when he went back in to rescue his family uh, or his child, um, he got uh, his hand was burnt badly and he can only use could only use two fingers on his left hand. So if he can only and I'll, and I I can't even I've never been able to play with him uh, his as good as him uh, not many can um, e- even with five fingers. So the man was brilliant. So I always think about him and I think well if he could overcome that um, I'm going to keep going as long as I can you know because it gives you hope. There's always a way around something, you know. I'm the eternal optimist, and um, there's two things, you know, I want to keep doing, and that's, well, one thing I want to keep doing is playing guitar as long as I can, and the the second thing is hoping for this, uh, the magic bullet uh, trial drug that stops this, you know. So, and I'm an optimist. I have a fund at, at uh, Johns Hopkins of the Peter Frampton Fund, uh, and that that is people are donating left and right. I cannot thank them enough, and that enables us to uh, the cost of new uh, drug trials for IBM. So, yeah, it's all good. It's all good. Um, uh, I can't thank people enough for doing that. How can people donate to that, Peter, if they're listening and want to do so? You just have to go to uh, look, Google me, <laughs> uh, Peter Frampton Fund at Johns Hopkins, um, Baltimore. So, yeah, it, it'll come right up. And um, how, you know, I know that one of the things which is a by- byproduct of this uh, disease that you're dealing with has been that um, you've had to sit down when you play and perform live. How has that experience been for you? Has that been hard to do or have you adjusted to that? Um, no, n- not really hard at all. I mean, we all, because I sit down, the whole band sits down. So what the, the, the byproduct of that is that I feel um, it's almost like the audience uh, feels we're in the living room and we're playing, you know. So I think, if anything, it brings the audience closer to you. Um, so it has, it, it's only been, I mean, we did four weeks last summer, um, and it was phenomenal. I mean, the crowds were just lapping it up. So we, we can't thank them enough. So looking forward to the same thing this year. Has this had any effect on your voice at all? No, no. Uh, luckily, no. It's just arms and arms, uh, hands and legs. So uh, no, no. Um, uh, there are other features to this disease that I don't have. Um, and one of them is swallowing, and I do not have that touch wood. So, um, but no, it does not affect my vocal cords, and um, it's very strange because it picks specific muscles. I mean, uh, one one next to a muscle that is not working right now is fine. It, it's very bizarre, and they have no idea why why it happens quite this way, but. Uh, so far, so good. So I'm, I'm, my cup is half. It's overflowing, in fact. <laughs> well, I thought it was great when I saw some more dates come up. And again, you're, you're calling them never, ever say never, because initially you thought that the run of shows that you did last time would be it because of your condition. Yes. And I know 
You played some historic venues. You got back into Madison Square Garden. I believe you played Royal Albert Hall, which I think has been released or is going to be released. So yeah, you, you checked off some of those uh, big things, but now you're coming back and playing, you know, more intimate venues, which I think is also a great way to see you. And uh, we should tell everybody this tour kicks off uh, coming up on March 3rd. You'll uh, start off in Greensboro, North Carolina, and then a nice run of dates that runs through uh, the end of April. People can find all the shows at Frampton.com. So I guess this was driven by the fact that you're still feeling so good. So we should take this as all very positive. Yes. Um, it, it's uh, it's uh, um, uh, very pleasing to me that even though, um, you know, walking is my is difficult for me, now but when i sit down and and put on a guitar um my left my left and right hands know exactly what to do still and it blows my mind so i'm i'm very thankful that that i've been allowed to um uh continue playing this long and i will continue until i can't and a couple quick things peter because i know your time's limited but your last album which was an instrumental album, Frampton Forgets the Words. Do you hope to make more music in the studio or will that be kind of it? I've been working on new material for the last five years. Um, and I still, <laughs> I'm still working on it, on the songs. Uh, it's got to be, um, hopefully I will will start it, um, recording it this summer. Uh, but I think that um, my MO for this is it has to be every track has to be um, the best that it can possibly be. And there could be not one iota of a filler on there. And every track has got to be something that really I, I'm excited about. And I get chills when I listen to it. That's the test. If you get a chill, if you get chills when you're writing a song, it's like, oh, I should definitely finish this one. And I feel the same way, um, you know, about um, I've got about seven or eight so far that I'm really, really happy with. So won't be much longer now, but it's taken a while because I, I just don't want any fillers at all. It's They've all got to be, you know, 150 percent great, you know. Speaking of getting that vibe when you wrote you you write songs, getting those chills among your big 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 hits. When you wrote them, did you get that chill? Did you know? Do you feel like we do or show me the way or baby I love your way? We're going to be huge hits or were were you surprised that they became that? Could you tell? Um, I couldn't uh, at that point, having never had a hit myself as a solo artist. I had no idea. All I knew was that I felt really good about those three. Um, I mean, Show Me The Way and Baby I Love Your Way. I Again, I wrote both of them in the same day. So, um, and Do You Feel was a jam that we did with the band tour. So, um, but we all felt great about that. But we had no idea. I don't really... I don't think anybody can tell what's going to be a hit, you know, um, or something that is going to 
an old chestnut that everyone's going to love forever, you know. Um, Do You Feel and and the other two, I think, are mostly in that category now. So I'm very lucky to have three that are are still so well-loved. Peter, I know uh, I got to let you go. I I can't thank you enough for a a few minutes here, and uh, I wish you nothing but the best of of luck with the Hall of Fame and, most importantly, uh, best wishes for your health. And I'm so glad you're going to be out there playing. I'm going to try to make one or two of these dates because last I saw you was at an event in Nam a few years ago, and it was absolutely brilliant. So everybody should get out and see you. Again, go to Frampton.com. Uh, for your dates. I'm scrolling through them right now. March and April, U.S. shows in theaters across the country. Um, Best of luck on everything, Peter. Thank you so much for the time. I hope we get more time to chat down the line. Absolutely. You got it. Take care. All right. You too. Bye, Eddie. Bye-bye. Truly an honor to be visited by Peter Frampton. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. And let's hope, I know I'll be voting for him, Let's hope Frampton makes it into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Check him out on tour coming up soon, as we discussed in the interview. Te presentamos a Alex. Ella acaba de descubrir el centro de visión de Walmart. Ahora hago mis diligencias en un solo lugar. Compras, lentes, Walmart, decoraciones, Walmart. Y lo mejor es que aceptan la mayoría de seguros, así que ahorro tiempo y dinero. Bienvenido a un cuidado de visión más fácil. Bienvenido a tu Walmart. Se aplican restricciones. Visita walmart.com para más detalles. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So. No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Making your cat happy is a number one priority. Priority number two is keeping a clean litter box. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter helps you do both. Fresh Step Outstretch Litter traps waste at the surface with less crumbles and absorbs more waste and odor compared to Fresh Step Multicat. Find Fresh Step Outstretch Litter at a store near you today. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro... Cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. Next up, a sequel, if you will, to Mick Mars, who gave me an exclusive interview a few months ago talking about his album, The Other Side of Mars. At that time, only one song had been released. Mick joined me again last week on my Sirius XM show, Trunk Nation, with the album imminently coming out. He joined me last week to discuss it a little more in depth, and I'll give you that interview right now. Took place last week on Trunk Nation on Faction Talk 103. Mick Mars, days before his long-awaited new solo album was released. Enjoy. Mick, how you doing, bud? Good. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. So, you know, I was uh, thinking about it. It's been uh, a few months since Loyal to the Lie came out and some yeah. other singles have been released. And the full album is, of course, as I said, coming out tomorrow. But now mm-hmm. that people have uh, had a chance to hear some of these songs and you've had a chance to talk to a lot of other people about the record, what's the vibe you're getting? How are you feeling about it? <laughs> 
I, I'm I'm still a little apprehensive, you know. I, you know, I I think that everybody does that though. You know, uh, are they going to like it or they're not going to like? It? You know how it is. So, yeah. Are you uh, have you have you kept close tabs on response and are you somebody that keeps an eye on comments and reviews and stuff like that for the songs you put out already? Oh yeah, oh yeah, every day <laughs> I check it out. It's all been positive too, really good. Oh well, that's good because you got to have a thick skin to do that because you know there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that will easily say if they don't like it too. <laughs> well, that's all right. You know, I was just. Uh, you know, I'm, I, I got to keep reinventing myself, I guess. I don't know. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I really don't know if people would be offended by it. There's not that much keyboards, but there is, yeah. No, no, no. I meant keyboard warriors, meaning people that sit behind their computers and are very brave oh. and say stupid shit, not keyboards on your record. Oh, oh okay. Well, my misunderstanding. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I don't know. <laughs> um I, you know, they're going to say what they're going to say, no matter good, bad, or indifferent. It, were you, you know, always were you always like that, Mick, with stuff you've done, even the Motley records or live shows? Or were you, were you somebody that just kind of tuned it all out, or did you keep, always keep tabs on what fans were saying and what the responses were? Well, you know, it's it's one of those kind of things. It's like there's going to be, you know, the people that love it. There's going to be people that yeah, it's okay, and then the ones that go absolutely that's trash, you know. So. I, um, it's it's after so many years of playing and touring and doing all that stuff. I've I've grown very very used to it, I guess, um, and I accept it. It's easy, you know. It's it like that. <laughs> uh, by the way, we should tell the audience that Mick is uh, is okay with taking a couple phone calls and saying hello to you guys. So if you want to get on the air with him. We'll take a couple calls uh, in a bit. 844-686-5863 is is the phone number. Mick, from the people who have heard the record or even the songs that you've released so far, what's been the biggest thing? Because for me, people I know that have heard the record, and we touched on this last time you were on, it was the direction you decided to take. You know, the type of record that you made, that it's a heavy, you know, modern sounding rock record a lot of people assumed or thought you were going to do more of a throwback kind of blues vibe um mm-hmm. what what are you picking up a lot of that from people you're talking to too that the overall feeling is it's great but it's not what they expected uh, yes there's quite a few of those um man, many people expected you know like more of a <clears throat> excuse me um bluesier type record or uh you know more of a you, you know I, my my idea was to really just do a a pretty diverse kind of a record, you know, and and kind of like feel out where I wanted to go with my music because I didn't, you know, didn't want to repeat myself like you know. Um, so yeah, I just I yeah, blue. I <laughs> it is what it is, I guess, you know. But yeah, people are surprised of of how it is, but they didn't know what to expect. And I'm glad that they like it. 
Well, yeah, you, you, you know, the response I think has been great. Again, that's the only thing is people are like, wow, this is a, you know, this is a totally different thing that they would have expected from you. But that being said, there is a lot of diversity in the record. And I want to ask you now that the album's coming out tomorrow and a lot of people have had a chance to, to hear it. I want to ask you about the, cause, cause this record took a really went through a lot of ups and downs. We talked about it in the last interview. I mean, you started working on this. When, when did you first have the idea to do a solo record? How long ago? <laughs> 2014 I think or 2015 the final tour right after that so 10 years and, uh, just about yeah you know give give it give or take yeah you know it's like writing and writing and writing or this doesn't work this doesn't work ah oh, this is a good idea you know and that kind of stuff so, yeah like a 10 years and then I had uh you know uh, we did the stadium tour thing and of course Motley came first you know what I mean? Um, so, you know, I'm back with, you know, Motley and put my stuff on the back burner again. So, you know, it, it, it took a while. <laughs> what would you say was the biggest obstacle? Um, about writing this record? Uh, yeah, writing it, well, getting it out, getting the right people on board. I mean, were those all the biggest problems and why it took 10 years? Oh no! I would say more me. If it was, <laughs> if it didn't feel right to me, or sound right after I listened back to it, I wouldn't use it. I, I would I would actually delete it, you know. So it didn't accidentally end up on something. So no, I, don't, I think the problem was more of of you know satisfying myself, I guess, and and just as kind of like. Uh, feel out like, you know, who, who was digging the direction I'm going, you know? So that was it. <laughs> Did, was there a lot of stuff, Mick, that being that this record took 10 years to make, was there a lot of material that uh, didn't make the record that you kind of put on the side and, might revisit at another time or did, or did pretty much everything you were, you said you deleted. Did you actually physically delete stuff that you didn't like after you did it? Yes. <laughs> yes. It's no longer there, so, but on my, on my pro tool things and people who have pro tools know, and I'm sure that you know too. Uh, but um, um, can you repeat that question? I lost myself. Did you, did you, the stuff, so you physically deleted stuff, but was there still stuff that you kind of liked, but you oh, yeah. just didn't feel like it fit on this record that you held on to? Is there a lot of extra material that we haven't heard? Um, there, there's a few things, um, that didn't make the record because they weren't quite done, but really good ideas. And I still have them, of course. And in the meantime, I've written, you know, a handful of other brand new material that I'm really, really liking a lot and um, very, very solid ideas, you know, for, for the next, next record. If, if, you know, I could get a chance to do a next record, you know what I mean? But really, well, yeah. really solid, really heavy, really solid. And not Eddie, I think we talked about this a couple of times before. It's like, I'll never try to out heavy, you know, the really heavy bands, but, you know, my own guitar heaviness, I guess, you know, but it, uh, I don't know, just one of those. 
So there's stuff. So it will have you, you, you co-produced this record with Michael Wagner and, um, mm -hmm. did you, did you do this? You have your own studio in your house. Did you do this in your home studio? Yes. Mm -hmm. and, because uh, sometimes go ahead. No, no, I was, I was waiting for you to finish. I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say, cause sometimes that I've heard from artists who have their own home studios and sometimes they've told me that contributes to taking a long time to make a record as well. Because if you go into a studio and you're paying hourly or a day rate, you know, you mm -hmm. want to get the thing done and get in and out of there when you got can mm -hmm. walk down your stairs and go in your own studio and toil around for as long as you want. It could become yes. that process where it's like over and over and over again. And you just get into this crazy cycle. Yeah. Well, you know, um, the, yeah, there's a, there's a good, yes, I, I, I feel like when I have to go into the studio, I feel, you know, oh, this cost me a ton of money, you know, which is why I put up my own studio. Um, so I could really take my time and listen to stuff and go like, oh, I can do that better. You know, if it's a good song, I can do that better. Or I can go, that's the best take. I don't need to do it again. You know? So I got the luxury of doing that kind of a thing as opposed to being, you know, really pressured. And it's, um, I think, I think it shows on just about anybody's record that, that does it at home and does it in the studio. You know, sometimes you just have to live with a mistake that you made you know, and you didn't realize it. I don't know. You know, I, I prefer my own stuff. <laughs> Mick, I want to ask you about a couple of tracks on this record that, that jump out at me. There's one, and I, I touched on this last time you were on, there's a track on this record called Broken on the Inside, which mm -hmm. I think that's the one that ends completely yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, uh, I have the CD now. Uh, that, uh, Steve sent me a CD, which is my preferred way to listen to music, and I put it in my CD player yesterday, and mm -hmm. I'm, I forgot about that track, and I'm listening to it, and I'm like, the, and the song comes to an end and I'm like, oh shit, I got to get a new <laughs> CD player. The laser must be going or something. And I was like, turn around. And I looked, I go, wait, it's tracking just fine. And then I remembered that that track for people that don't know what we're talking about, you, you ended that track to make it sound like a, not an album skipping, but really like a digital skip. Uh, tell me yeah. about the idea of doing that. Cause it really, it really is effective. <laughs> Yeah, well, you know, on, on purpose, of course, <laughs> it's, uh, uh, you know, something to go like, well, here's this song and, you know, like, loyal to the lie and then followed up by broken on the inside. Well, maybe I broke something on your, on your radio, on your, your CD player or on your turntable or, or, you know, <laughs> just, to, just to play around and, you know, do, do something a little weird and different, you know? Like, yeah, I've never yeah, I've so never those, heard so that those, done. It'll yeah, definitely keep so, you on your toes. Yes. So listeners, don't don't think anything's broken. It's purpose. But you're going to like right. it. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. And and you know, a couple other tracks that I really love. One of the standouts for me is Undone. Can you tell me the history yeah. of that one? Oh. Um, well, you know, it's it's one of those kind of things. It's like a I guess loosely based on a uh, relationship, you know, man or woman or uh, what, 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 whatever, you know, uh, somebody passing away or whatever. That that feeling you have for that person 
wasn't completed. It's undone. So it's like, you know, kind of based on that, but it's like also, um, you know, I, I wanted more of a, I like kind of like cinematic or dramatic kind of music a lot too. So, you know, that's kind of where it's coming from. You know, it's like that, that kind of a orchestrated, more orchestrated stuff instead of like screaming in your ear kind of stuff. But I still like screaming in the ear kind of stuff. <laughs> but that's kind of the basis on that song. Yeah. The the other track I wanted to one of the other tracks I wanted to ask you about, which for people that are looking for a bluesier approach to what you're doing, the last track on the record is an instrumental called L.A. Noir. And mm-hmm. uh, I I think that I I love that. I love your playing on that. I love that ending the record. Was that a song that originally was going to have lyrics or did, was it in, an instrumental the whole time? Um. Well, you know, it, it was supposed to have lyrics, um, but um, I, you know, I didn't know what to write about it. So it's like, um, actually, actually, I wrote that, I don't know, um, 20, 25 years ago, I guess, the initial lick, right? And um, I had wanted to put lyrics on it, but, you know... I, with all the other stuff I had going on, it was like, you know, hard for me to do. I'm not very good at that. And I needed one final song for this record. So I dug that one up, you know, and, and, and did, you know, instrumental with it. So, you know, it's all I had. <laughs> Would you ever have any instrument, any interest in doing an instrumental record, a guitar based instrumental record? Does that appeal to you at all? Uh, I, I, you know, I think that if I did that, it would be boring. <laughs> I, you know, it's like, uh, re- really, I, 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 I think it would be boring, but do you, you know, do you like, do you like records like that personally? Do you listen to, you know, whether it's Satriani or Vi or guys like that, is that in, of interest to you or are you more of a, you know, just a traditional song guy? Um, I, I mean, I like listening to, to certain songs you know, by those guys and, and, uh, Steve Morse, of course, sure. as well. And, uh, uh, you know, but, but yeah, I'm more of a, uh, a, a guy that wants to, uh, you know, ly- lyrics. So it's like, you know, I don't know, you know, honestly, Ed, I, I don't really know what I'm going to do next, but, you know, I, I, honestly, I don't think it'd be like, full instrumental kind of a thing. But you do have a desire to do a follow-up to this. Have you, you, you do, you would like to make another record? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I, like I said earlier, I, I have four really, actually five really solid ideas. You know, I mean like really solid. <laughs> and Mick on this record, we know that, uh, Jacob Bunton sang the, the bulk of the, 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 the record did uh he write lyrics did you or do you write lyrics i'm curious did you write lyrics on here as well um not much more more paul than anyone paul taylor yeah yeah i mean it's like i got yeah, based on the ideas and i go like hey can we do this like this and paul goes yeah sure you know and does that kind of stuff you know but he's 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 really good at that 
Me, I'm good at guitar playing and writing. <laughs> but have you ever, like, were you ever a guy that wrote lyrics? Like, even in Motley, we know Nicky wrote the bulk of the lyrics, but did you ever write lyrics, or was that all him and, and Motley for the most part? Um, it was, well, Nicky wanted to do lyrics. So it was like really, uh, I don't think there was anybody in the band aside from him that would write the lyrics. Right. So, so you know, I could be wrong, but I, I, I'm pretty sure it was that way. You know, the other thing, Mick, before we grab a couple calls here is the fact that, um, we know that because of your uh, physical condition and your health, that unfortunately the idea of touring is not really going to be possible. But have you thought, mm -hmm. is there, is there any uh, side of you that would like to be able to, to do a live show, even if it was like all in one location or you live in Nashville, just doing one or two shows uh, that would be easier and convenient for you without the travel. Have you, to have you toyed with those ideas or is playing live for you at this point, totally off the table? Um, Play, playing live is the easy part, right? A lot of people go, oh, I get so tired. No, traveling is. So if, if say, uh, a few of the Nashville clubs around here or, or one-offs here or there, you know, or a residency or something, it's the same, same offer, you know, that I give Motley, too. It's like, if you want me to do this or do this, this, I'm here, I'm available. Uh, extension touring is way out. I mean, that stuff hurts me bad, <laughs> really badly. You know, the airports, right. going through the airports, checking in, checking out, jumping in the car, taking the bus, going, <laughs> you know, that stuff's a little rough, you know? So well, when you, so, yeah. I know when you, I know when Motley toured, you, when you travel, you traveled on your own bus and, and, and you didn't have to deal with planes and all of that. So, I mean, I would think maybe a scenario like Nashville, or even if you just went to one city, whether it be a place like Vegas, New York, LA, just one trip you took comfortably. Yeah. And then you set up shop there and you just said, Hey, look, I'm going to play five shows. Come see me. People that want to see you would travel to come see you. I would think. Yeah. I, you know, I can, I can do that. You know, because residency, you know, you're in the same building. You just get in the elevator and go up and sleep or whatever it is that you do, you know. But, yeah, I, I could do that. That wouldn't be hard at all. And doing one-offs, you know, wouldn't be that difficult. But uh, as far as, like, the extensive touring I did with Motley, way out of the question. I, I, right. I can't do that anymore. So there. So for people that are hoping to see you play live uh, again with with your own band, in this case, that's not out of the question. That's something you will entertain. Yes, I could. I, yeah, yeah, I would understand the ideas, but you know, to to see how it is, and if, you know, I'm not looking for like, uh, you know, the the you know the. Hey, can you do one night here, one night here, one night? No, sure. I, I, I yeah, think yeah. that. But you know, but if they go like, "Hey, we're going to do this one night here," and I'm like, "Say Salt Lake City," just for the heck of it, and somebody goes, "Well, we want you to play in Sacramento, which isn't that long of a trip, but it is for me." <laughs> you know what I mean? Or you sure. know, I, I, I no, I, I I wouldn't be able to do multiples like that. It's like a one-off, come home and say like, you know. 
a month or so later to go like, here's a one off here. That yeah, that's fine. You know that kind of stuff. Residency, yeah. But <clears throat> like I say, around the world, I I no, I can't. I no. And Mick, one last mm-hmm. thing for me, and then we'll we'll grab a few calls and we'll let you go. Um, on the Motley front, do. You know, there was something that came out recently that you had had, I guess, a, a victory of sorts in your uh, in your lawsuits with them. I don't know what you can and can't say legally, but can you give the fans any update as to where things are at with you and Motley, or is that still an ongoing thing? Um, it's it's uh, I I really can't talk about it. I, I I can't right right at this moment. I can't. Okay. All right. Fair enough. I get it. Legal stuff is legal stuff. I just know some stuff came out that seemed to be in your favor. And I just didn't know if that was something that you could comment on. Yeah. Uh, Well, not now. (laughs) Okay. Not now, but after, after it's all done and finished then then you'll be the first to know. I'll let you know. And then we'll jump back on the phone and we'll talk about it. (laughs) All right. All right. Sounds like a plan. All right. Let's let a few people say hello to you now with the record coming out tomorrow. Mick has been nice enough to uh, say you take a few calls, just a couple. And again, the album is called The Other Side of Mars, the first ever solo album from Mick Mars, officially released everywhere you get music tomorrow. And of course, on the streaming platforms as well. Um, Ray in Maryland wanted to jump on and say hello to you, Mick. Go ahead, Ray. You're on with Mick Mars. Hey, Mick. Great to talk to you, man. Thanks. How are you doing, Ray? I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, first time I got to see you was in 1984 at the Capitol Center in Largo, Maryland. And I was 15, and my parents took me. And it was Wasted, Motley, and Ozzy. And probably not the coolest thing that my parents took me, but I'll move on. But it was the first time I smelled this funky aroma, which stayed in my nose for like the next week in school. And they even explained to me what it was. I was kind of a naive kid. But uh-huh. the question, but I'll tell you what, it was. it's one of my most fond, fondest memories ever. And you guys were great, and it was just a cool experience. But the question I wanted to ask you, you have such a definitive guitar sound. And is that, a tr- do you attribute that to the gear, the way you play, the combo of the two? Because as soon as you hear Mick Mars hit a chord, it's like, oh, that's Mick Mars. I'm just curious about that, how you get your sound. Um, you know, it's, it, it has a lot to do with, with your equipment, the way that, you know, you approach, the way that you kind of like use your hands to like, over the pickup to do like different weird things but like um mostly it's like i think people can't you know like i learned from like Jimi hendrix i learned from like jeff beck how they got their tone how they, how they, and it's like to try and copy that you know would be impossible but to develop my own thing from listening to tone because that is the most important part to me really is a tone to be identified by and and you know it's like yeah there's a lot of a lot of things that i do uh that's involved with that Uh, especially like uh, you know the the approach of of the attack on your guitar or whatever you know that kind of stuff you know mick i don't i don't play guitar but uh i've talked to tons of guitar players in my career And I Mm -hmm. think one of the things that I've learned in talking to guitar players is that so many times people try to figure out how a guitar player is getting his sound 
or his tone, et cetera. And Mm -hmm. the part that they leave out sometimes is it's just the player himself, right? It's his hands. It's the way he plays that Mm -hmm. that's a big part of it. Like you could get all that. You could duplicate all the gear. You could duplicate all the pedals. You could try everything, but something comes from the player himself. Uh, Ted Nugent was on with me once and Nugent was talking about uh, that. He, the first tour Van Halen ever went on, Van Halen opened for Nugent very, very early mm-hmm. on when nobody knew who they were. And he said mm-hmm. he was listening to this kid, Eddie Van Halen, play all this crazy shit during soundcheck. And he said he picked up Eddie's guitar and he was lost. And then Eddie picked up his Birdland and was lost. And like they couldn't, but because so much of it comes from the actual person holding it, right? Yes, that's right. Exactly right. <laughs> yes. And it's like um, trying to find your own tone, you know, you got to just play around with it until you like, go like, Oh, that sounds good. Oh, I'm happy with that. Are you, cause you can do a lot, a lot of different things, you know, with, 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 with your own hands and suddenly becomes yours. You know, when, when, I'm curious now that it just, something just came into my head. I mean, you being on the LA scene, um, seventies, mm-hmm. late seventies. Do you do you uh, remember seeing Eddie Van Halen for the first time? Did you see him in the clubs coming up? And if you did, like, what were your thoughts when you heard him play uh, super early on? If you did, well, there was many times that the cover band that I was in would Van Halen at different places in L.A., like the Golden West Ballroom, like Cazares, and like a bunch of places like that. And Ed and I go back to when he was 19. They'd just gotten uh, uh, David, changed the name to Van Halen. Remember? So I've known him a long time. And the first time that I heard him, I knew. And Ed just like floored me. I went like, well, I'm going to hang it up now. <laughs> no, but, you know, but, but yeah, we played many times with him. And even, even on, uh, you know, big tours, we played at, uh, God, Donington over in Europe and some of those festivals over there. Well, Us Festival, right? I mean, Us Festival in 83, yeah. you guys were low on yeah. the bill. I think you opened and Van Halen yeah. headlined. Yeah. Yep. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So, yeah, we we go way back. And I, and, and I mean, really, when I heard him first, and that was at the Golden West Ballroom, I just went like, crap. <laughs> because the guy is like... <laughs> Really, really phenomenal. And he's like, he was 19. I'm like, jeez, man. So, did he yeah. have his back? Did he, was, was that when he was playing with his back to the crowd? Because people told me early on you'd go to those shows and he would actually not face the crowd at certain points because he wouldn't want people to see what he was doing. Um, you know, I, I don't know if that's, that's really true or not because, you know, I, I didn't ever see him turn his back to the crowd. And he, uh, I mean, we played with him a bunch of times. He might have turned sideways, but I, I, no, I can't remember him turning his back. Yeah, um, yeah. But he, he may have when I wasn't playing with him or whatever, you know. Right. Maybe you played. turned. Maybe you turned around to get a drink when he turned his back on the audience. Who knows? <laughs> it's a long time ago, right? Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Whoa, uh, Monica, let's get let Monica and Phoenix say hello to you real quickly. Monica, you're on with Mick Mars. Go ahead. Oh shit! Hi, Mick. I've been such a big fan of yours and Motley, and it breaks my heart to see 
what has happened with you guys. But do you still have the guitar ad you placed in the paper way back when you started that the changed your life that you placed in the recycler, the loud root aggressive guitarist that I still oh. remember from way back when? The back the black West Paul. Um, right? No, I think Monica was asking about the ad. You placed an ad in the recycler, the the actual advertisement. Yes. Do you still have it? No, no, no. No. Does anyone have it? Uh, The guitar? Are you you talking about the the ad? No, the ad. The The actual ad. You know, I I really don't know. That was so long ago. But, no, I I don't have that one. I remember it, but I don't have it. (laughs) Well, I love uh, oh, sorry, Monica. Sorry to cut you off. I thought you were done. I'm sorry. Mick, are you, do you keep a lot from your archives? Do you have a lot of like stuff from back in the day that you've kind of collected that you have in storage somewhere or were you never like a collector guy? Um, I'm, I'm a collector guy, of course. Um, but you know, there, there's, I, I don't have my blacklist poll anymore. Um, you know, there's like weird ups and downs in any band, you know, and it's like sometimes you're forced to get rid of something you don't want to get rid of, <laughs> and you do, and like that, and then you rebuild back up. But yeah, um, I, I'm a guitar collector. I got probably I don't know, 120 plus guitars. But when what I want to do when you is say those, uh, when you, when you say the blacklist, Paul, are you talking about the one in the Live Wire video? Yes, the one that had the well, it was a blacklist Paul, and then I put some tape on it to make it look like yellow diamonds. It was a '72 Les Paul. Yep. And what happened to it? Did you sell it or lose it, or what happened? Um, I sold it to Hard Rock Cafe, and I believe it's in Florida right now. I could probably buy it back, but you know, <laughs> I was going to say, is it something you'd like to have back? It would probably be, you know, not really. I mean, I, I, I would like to have it, but you know, it just nostalgic to to have it there, and and you know, like the the people can come by and go like, well, that's Mux guitar, that's the one I saw, and blah blah blah. You know what I mean? And and it's right. kind of cool because I I did that too with Jeff Beck. <laughs> I go, that's Jeff Beck's guitar right there. Well, you, you know, at a hard rock in, in England, I did that. Right. <laughs> it, was, it was like, cool. <laughs> Would you ever write, like to write a book, Mick? Would you ever like to, now that you've got a record coming out tomorrow, your own record, would you ever like to do your own book, an autobiography? Um, yes. Um, but it'd be pretty sporadic, <laughs> like my life is. But uh, I, I, yeah, I would. Um, uh, yeah, I guess so. I did don't you know keep when. notes or did you keep notes or a journal of any kind or no? Nah, I got, um, well, I was keeping notes in a journal for quite a few years and they were unfortunately lost when I had my downs and had to rent a storage unit and couldn't pay for it. <laughs> so they were all gone, but I wow. remember a ton of stuff, a ton of, I remember stuff back to when I was really little. I mean, like one or two, three years old, you know, 
very vivid ones. <laughs> well, I so. think it would be a, it'd be a book a lot of people would love to read if you could ever uh, find a way to, to, to make that happen. We'll, we'll grab one last call, Mick, and then we'll let you go. This is Paul joining us from Massachusetts. He wanted to get on the air and say hello to you real quickly. Go ahead, Paul. You're Hi, on the Eddie. air. Okay. Thank you, Eddie. Hey, Mick, uh, honored to speak with you. Uh, I've been listening to your music since youth and uh, many concerts over the years with all my friends. Uh, now at age 53, looking forward to, uh, you know, your new music and solo stuff released tomorrow. So just uh, can't thank oh. you enough for a lot of time of great music. Well, thank you. Thank you, you know, for had, being a supporter. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I, uh, I actually had the uh, opportunity to uh, see John Five the other night in Massachusetts. Uh, and he played a, a tribute kind of montage to all your, your stuff. And it sounded amazing. Um, and then actually had the opportunity to speak to him after. And, uh, you know, and had nothing but praise to say about you. And then you too, Eddie Trunk. He said, uh, you know, he said a lot about uh, how good you guys are. And uh, just was curious what your relationship like is like with him. Um, with Motley and me? No, he was he. So what he's saying is, you know, John Five is touring now with his solo trio oh, playing yeah. instrumental shows, and he okay. saw him. And John said nice things about you and praised you and all of that. Um, you had said before that John, you you had a, a friendship with John prior to him going into Motley, right? That you oh, guys uh, had had known each other, and he was just wondering about that. Oh well, you know. Um, I, I don't have anything bad to say about John ever. He's he's a great guitar player. He's a good guy, you know, and it's like I, I'm i not, like, upset or envious or anything else for him stepping in for me. I I, I would have picked him, too, you know. He's a, he's a great guy. He really is. Have you watched any of the video of him playing in the band and heard him playing your stuff? Uh, I've seen little short things, you know, a few seconds, but that's about it. Mm-hmm. And what you've seen, well. what you've seen and heard, you think it's it's on point for what they should be doing in your absence? Yeah, yeah. Well, Mick, Absolutely. I uh, I appreciate the time here, and it's great to check in with you again. Um, the album is the other side of Mars. It is out finally tomorrow, and. I was saying to the audience earlier, Mick, I mean, tomorrow's a big day for you because it was a long time coming for this record. And I know just you and I have gone back for years talking about this thing finally coming out. And yeah. it's got to feel good to know that it's finally going to cross the finish line in a few hours. Yes. Scary, huh? <laughs> no, I think it's great. It would be scary if the record wasn't good. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. Is it, you know, no, to me, to me, it's like, you know, what I picked. So, so yeah, I I think it's pretty good. No, it's a, it's a really, it's a slamming record. Again, the only thing, (laughs) the only, only feedback I've gotten from people about it is it's, it was not the expected direction, but when they hear it, they're like, damn, this is like really cool. It's like, you know, killer riffs and great songs and great vocals and all of that, it's just, you know, I think people just um, expected something different musically, but now they're up to speed with it from the singles you've yeah. already released. And uh, I think, you know, overall, most people are going to really like this record, and I think you should be very proud of it. You put a lot into it, I, I know. I, I I am proud of it. <laughs> I am. And, and yes, um, I, I did put a lot. And you know what, Eddie? Thank you for saying that to me, because that built me up my 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 confidence more you know what i mean but uh yeah i mean 
it has a little bit of everything that I'm about, you know, the diversity and the different types of songs and the different, this, uh, you know, it was like, you know, there's a lot of stuff swirling around in my head, you know, and it, <laughs> <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for that compliment, Eddie. I, I really appreciate that. That's no, that's it's so sincere. Cool. It really is, man. And uh, I will keep getting the word out for you about it. And I hope, because as much as I like the record, there's it does sound like a record that would be amazing to be heard played live. And uh, I oh, yeah. hope that even if it's one show, even if it's, you know, going down the street there in Nashville and finding a cool theater or venue and you could just do one show and get some of these guys together, I I know I'd, I'd be up for jumping on a plane because I think it would be great to see you up on stage again playing some of this stuff. It To me, listening to it, it begs itself to be played live in some way if you could do it. Yeah. I'm I'm sure that I could do it. Absolutely sure, because I got, you know, there's enough people around that, you know. But but guess what? I wouldn't need. I wouldn't need What's pyro. That? I wouldn't need pyro. <laughs> right. Because right. the slam the slamming part is enough. Just melt your face off. You know. Right. I mean, when I sit here in my studio and I crank it up, it's like, oh man, that hits really hard. You know, so, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just like goofing around, but, but yeah, yeah. I, 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 like I was saying earlier, yeah, I would be up to doing something like that. Of course, of course, you know, well, keep us posted if you do. And if uh, anything we can do to help, you know, just, just say the word, you know where to get me. And uh, again, congrats and uh, good luck with this the rest of the way. We'll be keeping an eye on it. And uh, you know, I, I, I hope all the fans love it as much as, uh, the early response I've been getting to it is again, the other side of Mars is out everywhere tomorrow. The debut long in the making solo record from Mick Mars. Take care of yourself, yeah. Mick best to you and your wife and your family. And uh, we'll talk soon. Okay. Yes. Thank you, Eddie, for having me, man. Anytime, bud. Take care. Uh, okay. Bye-bye. Well, good to speak with Mick and uh, that album is now, now out and doing quite well. So congratulations to him. I know he put a lot into getting that record finally out there in the stores. Thanks earlier to Peter Frampton as well. Be sure to follow me on social media at Eddie Trunk, Twitter or X, Instagram, Facebook page. EddieTrunk.com is the website. If you're going on the Monsters of Rock cruise, I'll see you on board hosting once again. Also, I'll be doing my daily Sirius XM radio show live from the ship next Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday with assorted guests of all the artists that are on board. Be sure to listen live every day, 3 Eastern, noon Pacific, Channel 103, or the Sirius XM app on demand or live. Have yourselves a great week. See you on the ship. See you on the radio. See you back here for another podcast next Thursday. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader, too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.